The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. To boldly go where no book has gone before, a joyous journey through all of science. That's the title of Luke O'Neill's new book. Luke, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Something it's, a bit different today. <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic uh, book because it's full of entertaining uh, aspects, as well as, you know, science. But it's science for people who don't know science. That's what I want to... to exactly, Pat. If people who, who are frightened of science and never read a science book, this is for you, basically. You know, and I was asked by Penguin to write a brand new history of science, which is a bit of a tall order, let's face yeah. it, you know. And I gave it a go. And it's, it's all of science, right? But it's the people. It's about the scientists. Who, let's but face there are it. key things along your journey. I mean, there's a stain on a ceiling. Oh, that's right, exactly. Yeah, I opened with that, actually, Pat. So when I was 12 years of age, my mother gave me a chemistry set for Christmas. And I managed to do a big experiment where I almost exploded the whole bedroom and a splat on the ceiling, this chemical splat, and it's still there. I was in the house last year. The stain is still there. The stain there. is still there. It's still there. That was my first experiment, trying to blow up my own bedroom. So I'm, through the book, I mentioned my own little experiences as a scientist as well. Mm-hmm. Now, there are so many things in this, like the Flat Earth Society, people who believe that the Earth is, in fact, flat. Maybe it's a disk yeah. uh, because there are certain roundnesses they cannot deny. Um, but the Flat Earth Society was founded in 1956. Now, that was when Sputnik was orbiting the planet. It's startling stuff, isn't it? But it still exists and people still, some people out there think the Earth is flat. So, so talk about conspiracy theories, unusual ideas. And even if you show them a picture of the Earth, you know, from space, they go, oh, it's a disc. It's not actually like a sphere at all. You know, so it's very strange how, how, how these, these beliefs still persist. And there was a rapper. Who, oh, was B.O.B. is his name. Yeah. yeah. He, he began to, he joined it, basically, and began to advocate. And he said, the Earth is a disc, basically rotating, you know, and there'll be evidence for this. Now, there's some evidence for it, it must be said. But uh, but the truth of the matter is, as we know, Pat, the Earth is round. But why people persist in that belief is the mystery to me and all of us. You know? yeah. And a physicist has gone to the conference and tried to explain to people why the Earth is, isn't actually flat. And he doesn't, he doesn't really make any progress. That's doesn't make strange. any progress. No, it's well, it's, uh, the conspiracy theorists, um, they, they find their disciples. They do. They do indeed. Yeah, exactly. Now, tell me about Foucault. Yes, well, he was the guy who proved that the Earth rotates, that his experiment was to hang a big pendulum, right, from this tall ceiling with sand. And then as as the Earth rotates, of course, the pendulum swings and it begins to move through the sand as the Earth turns, you see. And that was the evidence. That was the evidence. That the Earth turns. So the pendulum is just going back Back and and forward, forward, back and forward. But as the Earth turns... As it spins, the lines change. The lines change. Exactly. And that was the evidence. Now, of course, the flat Earth people say he, he was moving the... The, the pendulum. <laughs> he's just cheating. Through, he's cheating, exactly. Yeah, but the evidence is quite. But what a fantastic experiment! Had that if you think of it at that time, you know, there was no space travel, was there? And yet he got really compelling evidence that mm-hmm. the Earth was turning. Now there was a fifteen-year-old girl called Mary Anning. Do you remember her? Now you 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 written this book and it went to the printers. You may have forgotten half the things that are in it. I'm trying to remember. No, no, she's fantastic. She she discovered all these fossils, and she was a very important um, fossil hunter, you might say. And she was very much part of that period of geology when the Earth was proven to be ancient. Yeah, she was only fifteen when she first did it, and then yeah. st- started to sell fossils, or her dad did, yeah. to people who wanted to collect them. Exactly. That was that was a starting point. As like she was called Curie. Ammonites were one type of fossil. There was a movie made about her, actually, to be honest. Wasn't she struck by lightning? She was, yeah, as a baby. She was struck by lightning. There were three people, including herself, under a tree. Yeah, that's right. The two others died. They did. And and, and, and her neighbours then said that's why she became so brilliant, you see. The, the lightning <laughs> strike was the reason. But she's a real hero. But the book is actually about a series of heroes yeah. who booked the trend. The men didn't believe her. 
and she was sending fossils to London and they were denying it, right? And then began claiming it for them, you know? And one of our friends said, these men of learning have sucked her brains, was the phrase she yeah. the other was used. It's very strange. Because they, they kept writing women out of great scientific they uh, d- discoveries. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't write Marie Curie out no, of No, no, no. She's my biggest hero of all, Pat Reed. You know, a Polish woman. Uh, a very, all the women who make a difference in the 19th century got good educations. Their fathers made sure they got educated yeah. in maths and chemistry, hence education being so important. And she was an example. Discovered, she coins the term radioactivity, Marie Curie, first of all, discovers three elements, including polonium, named after her homeland. Yeah. And another thing, she, did was she said that radium could be used to treat cancer, that she was the origin of radiotherapy. And she herself said that wasn't her intention doing her research. That was a, a handy spin-off from discovering radioactivity. Yeah. You know. Wasn't she the woman who used her wedding dress to make a lab coat? Yeah. yeah but I, tried to, I tried to make a quirky story. Every scientist has a quirky story, right? Hers was, she marries Pierre. Her, her, her wedding dress becomes her lab coat for the rest of her life. She turns her wedding dress into her lab coat. Oh. And there are too many scientists who do that, you know. Yeah, and, and there are so many wedding dresses that don't get a second life. That's right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. She was very frugal. I mean, she recycled <laughs> the wedding dress yeah. into a lab coat. Now, understanding how we uh, ended up running the show instead of a dinosaur, I mean, we might have remained as some sort of minor little creature. Yeah, yeah. But what happened? The fact is this. If that asteroid hadn't struck the Earth 66 million years ago, we wouldn't have evolved. It's as simple as that, right? So that's how random life is, in a way. These different events give, give rise to how us. How big was the explosion? It was 100 Hiroshima bombs, they reckon. The impact was massive. All this dirt goes up into the air. The dust goes up. There's a nuclear winter, effectively. And that's why all the creatures begin to die off, including, famously, the dinosaurs. And our ancestor, Pat, was a tiny little mammal, right? <laughs> Scurrying around, you know? And and then there was a gap now. And they, like, that mammal could survive, right? There was a gap and that could start evolving and turn into us. So that, that single event is why we're here, Pat, in a way. If, Otherwise, if we would have been gobbled up by the meat-eating uh, dinosaurs. Exactly, yes. They, they'd be dominant. Yeah, they'd probably still be dominant. Now, you look at the origins of the Earth and, uh, you know, how glaciers uh, changed our uh, geology and geography. And John Lennon had a drumlin. He did. He did indeed, yes. So, so the chapter on, there's a chapter on geology, right? And I talk about glaciation. And by the way, when I was a child in Bray growing up, I heard the Wicklow Mountains 11,000 years ago were covered in ice. That got my imagination. It's one reason I became a scientist. I was fascinated with it. You know, the famous U-shaped valleys. And you might have been a geologist. But you didn't. I, I didn't. I went to Trinity and I did a bit of geology. Didn't like it for some reason and chose biology instead. But drumlins are little, little kind of little egg-shaped humps, right? And an Irish geologist named them drumlin. It means little hill. Clue Bay is full of drumlins. Fantastic. Left behind by the Ice Age. And John Lennon in, I think, 1968, buys a drumlin. Dor- Dornish Island. Dornish Island, exactly, yeah. And, and he, he goes and he made one visit there, Pat, him and Yoko go and visit the island and never came back. But he gave it to a hippie commune. <laughs> yeah. The king, a guy called the King of the Hippies <laughs> was given the island and lived on the island for a number of years. Yeah. Then Yoko finally sold it and gave the money to a gave local school. Gave the money school. locally, yeah, yeah. which was very good. Now, uh, who's the father of chemistry? Ah, well, that's Robert Boyle. Now, you see, this book, by the way, I'm very thrilled, is on sale in the UK as well. I want to remind the British, how important us Irish are. So Robert Boyle is the father of chemistry, really. And he pre- he's created by a guy called Paracelsus, of course, who he refers to Paracelsus and Boyle. But I like Boyle because he's Irish. <laughs> he comes up with his gas laws and he's very much in part, part of the whole scientific endeavour. Yeah. Um, he also was something of a feminist, we think. He was. His sister was extremely important in, in his research and helped him a lot, you know. And he gave his sister some credit. But he was very annoyed because she couldn't become a member of the Royal 
Royal Society, which was the big scientific society. Women were excluded, you know. And yet he gave her lots of credit for helping him in his research. But of course, she never appeared. Nobody's ever heard of her. Catherine Boyle is her name, actually. Mm-hmm. Probably as important as him, you know. May have had the same kind of ideas. You know? Yeah, the, the whole idea of having to prove everything was important. But that goes back to Shakespeare's time. It does indeed. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. In other words, the holiday of empiricism, you might say, in trying to prove things. Now, Boyle's contribution, though, was show me the evidence, basically, yeah. you know. And the motto of the Royal Society, Pat, remember, is uh, take nobody's word. But Shakespeare was exactly saying the same thing in some of his plays. So those ideas were around, I guess, about, about getting evidence for things. Now, um, the father of computing was Irish. Now, here's, the, here's two quirky, are you ready for these two yep. quirky stories? Because remember, my book is about scientists and their quirks. So George Boole, right, Boole was the first professor of mathematics in UCC. It was called Queen's College at the time. And he was going into the college one morning, caught a terrible cold, right? Yeah. And then his wife, in those days, they used to wrap people in wet blankets to cure a cold. What was causing the cold, yeah. maybe cured. And sadly, he got pneumonia and died. So indirectly, his wife killed him. <laughs> the second example of that is John Tyndall, another famous Irish scientist. Tyndall gets the credit for greenhouse gases. Although a woman called Eunice Foote had produced evidence that carbon dioxide was a greenhouse mm-hmm. gas, his wife uh, killed him. Right? He was an insomniac and took, I think, a chloral hydrate, helped him sleep, and she gave him an overdose. And he okay. said, and, and he says as he's dying, you've killed your John. Now, I'm hoping my wife won't inadvertently <laughs> kill me, Pat. There's a risk of that. But there's two Irish connections where the now, wives... Now, we've been them. talking a lot about the terrible events in the Middle East, but uh, the Middle East uh, comes into your book in uh, Jabir. Oh yeah, the, absolutely. Well, you the see, father of alchemy, he was, well, and Mary the Jewess. Mary the Jewess. Right. You see, in the ninth and tenth century, the Arabic scientists were leading the science world. They were doing mathematics, they were doing astronomy. You know, very important. And he is seen as the father of chemistry, although he was an alchemist. He was. They were trying to turn lead into gold, yeah. but he invents some of the techniques that became used in chemistry later. And Mary the Jewess was a very famous. Uh, Arabic scientist. Again, she was trying to do this transmutation thing. And she invented uh, various devices to study you A know, three-legged glass vessel That's right. for use in the lab. Exactly. And the Ban Marie, the famous cooking thing was Mary the Jewess. That's when you put a pan inside a boiling pan. We still yeah, yeah. use them in, in cooking today. That goes back to an a- a- alchemy. And the Ban Marie, the Marie and the Ban Marie yep. is Mary the Jewess. Mary the Jewess, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's important. It's the start of chemistry in a way. Even though they were doing hocus pocus of sorts. That, that, we see that at the start of chemistry really. It is a fantastic... Uh, by the way, there's a fellow called Paracelsus. Yeah. I, I think you would have enjoyed him. He was brilliant. Yeah, and Again, he's seen as the father of chemistry and he influenced Boyle hugely, you know. But he, he was a bit of a, bit of a, a bon viveur, shall we say. <laughs> he wrote a book on syphilis and they wouldn't pu- publish they it. They wouldn't publish it because the doctors all had syphilis themselves. They reckon it didn't want that coming out. You know, so, so, but he, he was a good example of a, a real maverick, shall we say. Well, it, I, I have something of a scientific background uh, and I enjoyed it as a scientist, but I know that people who haven't a word of science will enjoy this book. It's it's hugely entertaining and also very informative. It's called To Boldly Go, Where No Book Has Gone Before, subtitled A Joyous Journey Through All of Science. It's published by Viking, which is an imprint of Penguin Books, and its author, our regular guest, Professor Luke O'Neill. Thank you very much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks very much, Bob. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.